Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Attitude Makeover. In the last uh, one year, it's been a beautiful journey of exploration and also of self-discovery of really who am I at the core as a rebooter and what are my core values, what do I stand for, and so on and so forth. And you've been a wonderful partner in this journey for me. And I hope as much as I have enjoyed this journey, it's brought value, it's made you think as to how some of these journeys apply to you and your own journey, whether it's in your career path in an organization or you're trying to come back into a work-life alignment. How is this playing a role in your journey? My guest today is Eributa himself. As the chairman and co-founder of SG Analytics, Shushant Gupta. We chose a very interesting topic as well. The topic of the conversation is sustainability and inclusion. You see, they're two really talked about topics, but how do you bring a sustainable, inclusive policy and an environment within your organization? As a leader, what I've understood is all of us come with a good balance of the masculine and the feminine side to us. Over the years, through our experiences and our beliefs and our own journey, we sort of allow one of it to dominate over the other. It has its own rippling effect when you're a leader in an organization because then you sort of lose the empathetic side to understanding the non-dominant side of you. And thereby, when you define policies and you know, changes and culture, define cultural, um, you know, roadmaps of how you want this organization to be, it sort of paves way into each one of them. And so this becomes a very pertinent topic of how does one as a leader look at sustainability and inclusion? This takes us through wonderful conversations around conflict management, around understanding both sides of the story, walking the talk, creating balance. How do you build a community? How do you build a space where everyone feels safe and cared for and thereby there's an increase in innovation, productivity, collaboration, and in general, a very safe space for one to operate on. This and a lot more is what we talk about in this week's conversation with Sushant Gupta in our topic, sustainability and inclusion. As always, I hope you like this conversation. And if you've liked this, I look forward to you sharing, liking, and subscribing to both my YouTube channel or any of the other podcast channels that you're tuned into. And thank you so much. I hope you have a lovely holiday. So Sushant, thank you so much. I think uh, we started off with trying to find out what you're passionate about. And I couldn't think of a better topic and more relevant topic as of today, sustainability and inclusion. Um, so thank you. Thank you for choosing that. Thank you for having an opinion on that. And I'm looking forward to this longer, deeper conversation around it. I want to start off uh, first with, it's a buzzword, right? Sustainability. Inclusion is also a buzzword. Can you define what sustainability and inclusion is? Okay. Um, I think there's 
there's lots of definitions out there because it's coming from what was perhaps not right and correcting that. So what was not right is that there was growth happening in a certain way without including all aspects of nature or the world. Uh, and that in a way includes gender diversity as well. Um, and hence it has been defined in a certain way. Mm. But the way I would like to kind of uh, perhaps give a angle to it is, is just about being natural. Um, because if you see nature by itself, it is natural, it sustains itself and goes beyond that. It actually regeneratively grows mm. and balances as well uh, in harmony. Uh, so if you see nature, it is all balanced um, and perfectly in harmony. Uh, and it includes, it's all about inclusion. And, yeah. and there's no, uh, like you don't see in a forest, uh, a very manicured forest, for example. True. Uh, you know, all kinds of trees are there, all kinds of plants are there, bushes, all kinds of, they coexist. So that is, for me, the better form of sustainability, sustainability. and inclusion. And I think in a lot of ways, the AI space has a huge impact on or contribution to how we can make this possible as well, isn't it? Should be, should be. Uh, again, my view is slightly different is in the sense that no space can, it's the thought process which goes behind it, which makes anything happen. No tool can help us, no KPIs can help us, no technology can help us. It is the mindset which applied will will take us back to being in a regenerative thriving form. So first is the mindset and then the tools come in to actually help you with the process. Exactly. So tools by themselves cannot be the solution. They have to be used yeah. Yeah. for it to happen. So Shushant, I always start my conversation with my guests by really getting to know who my guest is, uh, for the audience to really connect with the guest. Um, but I want you to strip off the CEO title and all the others to just go to who is Sushant and why is this so deeply passionate as a topic for you? Why is sustainability and inclusion, it's a marriage of these two that you believe in and I, I think it's a beautiful topic to get into. But why is there passion around that? So if you can spend some time telling about you, but stripping off the titles, the titles and everything else. Sure, sure. So, <clears throat> um, you know, if, if, you, if we all think from, you know, whenever we go within ourselves and think deeply, uh, anything that we've done in life is only to feel complete and happiness inside. We may have given it physical manifestations on the outside. I want to have this degree. I want to get into IIT. I want to get into this company, McKinsey, whatever the case might be, uh, or SG Analytics even. But it always was for the purpose of achieving something inside. That is a given. We all know that by now. And if, means through, initially maybe in early stages of life, we didn't know that. Yeah. And I must confess that I definitely didn't. But in the last four to five or seven years around, that has become the focus. And that has become the realization as well. Um, so then you realize that there is absolutely no difference between you or anybody else in the world. And it includes really anybody else. And you start observing people, you realize that the only thing everyone is seeking is internal happiness. So 
you are also seeking the same thing. It's just that because of the different exposures, different countries, different opportunities, you seek it through different means. Mm -hmm. So once that is clear, then the titles are off anyway. Yeah. Um, so whether you're chairman or CEO or VP business development of this company, that company, it's off. And you realize that that's off. That is only a means. So once that is clear, then then the true, you become aware of your true self. And now you're using whatever occupation you have, whether you're a business person or a, you know, employed somewhere, or you are in, creative. you know, hospitality or creative uh, industry, that is only a means towards feeling that in completeness inside. So now once that is clear, I am clear what I am. And in my view, I'm in this journey. Mm. Where I am in this journey, perhaps I would say around if I was to, my aspiration is obviously huge in this journey, it, that I achieve a state of complete bliss all the time. Where am I today? Maybe five to 10% there. Uh, if if I'm giving myself very high marks, <laughs> uh, but that's the journey. Uh, and in this journey, it's very important to be aware and to be very open with oneself and with others. It's uh, also about introspective, being able to introspect as well, isn't it? Totally, totally. And, and that starts with just being totally kind of open, as mm, you said, mm. um, and you can only be open when you, so many times, you know, situations happen during the day uh, because you're playing your game, your mm. game might be business or whatever else, and you get sucked into things. True. And it's very important to kind of sit back after that event and just to look at it at a different level, maybe not within yourself, but outside of yourself. And then you're able to observe that, oh, this is how I behaved and this is what happened inside me. These are the emotions which came inside me. And that is why this responses came and how things could have been different. And that's the, so introspection is the first step towards improvement. Now, I have, I think for the last 25 years, um, when you're working in a corporate space, identity and individuality sort of become pivotal yeah. and identity is associated with either the company or the title or yeah. the job that you're playing and individuality is where a certain personality yeah. sort of comes in but what you're talking about is going deeper into character mm. and then seeing is a reflection of my personality that i'm putting out there aligned with my character and sort of making those adjustments constant. That's where you're saying yes. it's 5% yes. in the journey. I want to understand where did you start? Where were you when you started? Probably, I probably was minus 90% <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I started. So a lot of progress has happened in the last three to four years. Most of it in the last three to four years with the onset of COVID. So COVID was, it has been tragic for many people and I acknowledge that. But it was, it came as a blessing for me and my family because we really got a chance to look deeper within ourselves. Mm. Um, and that's where most of the progress happened. And of course, we were guided by, we came in touch with the spiritual guru, who also became our business coach. So everything got integrated well. Um, and I'm blessed to have, uh, be surrounded by my, you know, in a family where everyone is into 
the same journey and everyone used to ask ask these hard questions of me but they would normally be bounced off with my veneer of masculine mas masculine, masculine mm. um, sheen up you know which i used to have before so i have two daughters and a lovely wife um, and they were never really comfortable with me uh, until now i can say that they are um, at least and that's a question worth asking them separately but my <laughs> estimation is that i probably score well above 8 out of 10 nice. uh, with both uh, with all three of them now and earlier score would have been a big negative what what changed in you is it more you became more open to perspectives or you became more aware of how you're reacting to certain situations what drastically changed for you to shift from the negative to where you are today so it was a lot of work so i won't be able to identify one particular thing um, because you know it was uh, it was a lot of work on oneself and the when say me and my wife simi were talking to a spiritual guru it was not as if she was saying sushant you are at fault mm. uh, or saying simi you are at fault she asked us both to do a lot of work within ourselves so there was no uh, finger pointing sure. you know and when you go deep within yourself she had a lot of work to do within herself i had a lot of work to do within myself um so she uh, perhaps tapped into her empowerment her dignity which she had lost mm. uh, in the process of just serving others and i tapped into my femininity which i had lost in the process of achievements mm. uh, so i think if the the two main things if i may say were these aspects but within that there was a lot of deep uh, work which we went on to do and continue to do mm. uh, in this journey i i want to understand because that's where we're headed towards right i want to understand when you talk about femininity what are aspects of femininity you discovered in this journey and it's important because this we're talking about a family setup yeah. but you're also a leader yeah you're also in a community yeah. and so this sort of percolates or has rippling effects everywhere else as well right yeah. so i want to understand how did that change from total masculinity or wherever you were in that yeah. gradation of yeah. masculinity to understanding the feminine side of things and thereby maneuvering or creating that balance in yourself how did how did you go about i mean this i think it's all in there so every person comes complete mm. uh, so it's not as if you, i don't have femininity inside me or you don't have the masculine inside you yes. we all have are com- coming complete we just in different bodies for a certain role play as a body function but otherwise we are complete inside uh but since childhood you know we are kind of conditioned to become so much in turn with the in tune with just the physical self that we become overly yeah. <laughs> uh the inside is lost yeah. uh, in that journey yeah. to some to in that conditioning um so compassion for example is there uh, with everyone uh, inclusiveness is there yeah, uh, in everyone and these are very understanding empathy these are so called feminine traits yeah. but they're there in everyone yeah. and 
So it's just that we don't tap into it. Um, dignity for oneself is also there, but the women sometimes forget about that and you know lose their dignity um, because they are so much driven by the feminine drive to keep serving others and pleasing care. others that care uh, that they forget that they have to care for themselves as well. Mm. <laughs> yeah, a man, if you see, um, you know, there's a dining table, if men, when they eat amongst men, they all just serve themselves first, <laughs> yeah. straight away. Yeah. You'll never see them serving somebody else. But yeah. when a woman is there, she'll always serve others. Yeah. Uh, and when men and women are there, then men get the idea, oh, we are also, it would be nice to True. serve others. True. So it's there, uh, it's just about tapping it. And probably the one thing which helps you tap into it is vulnerability. Mm. Is is kind of that is the shield which most of us, uh, or the the magic box which we don't open up. Um, so we keep ourselves very. So when men hang out with each other and they ask how is it going, you know, everyone will say it's going great. Yeah. Job fantastic. Family no issues. Bachche kaise kar rahe? kar rahe. Everything is fine. Women, they hang out with each other. Within 10 minutes, they tell their entire life story, <laughs> which is quite amazing. Yeah. So they are ready to be vulnerable so much more quickly. So they're connected with the truth far more than, say, the men are in general. But when men open up and they talk openly, then everything comes out. And that's when the journey really, yeah. really starts. I, I'm really fascinated with this whole idea of power of an individual coming together when you bring the masculine and the feminine together. But it's not an easy journey. No. Uh, not everybody can have a guru either, a spiritual yes. guru. Yeah. So, but I've seen this, like for example, to your point, um, as women, whether it's at home or even at work, if the culture is such that, you know, your opinions are sort of brushed aside yeah. or like, you know, yeah, you there's no back, atmosphere to express. Right. Yeah. Um, then that's it. Uh, yeah. We go back because yeah. we uh, as humans, as Indians, mostly we avoid conflicts by nature. itself. absolutely. So you step back and by uh, by nature, women sort of just step back and yeah. they avoid conflicts. So what you're saying is actually embarking on this journey, constantly balancing for women also, yeah, you know, as important. It's as it's yeah. not just the feminine side. Get acquainted with your masculine side, mm. and see where the balance is. Stand up for yourself. Talk about things. Um, but for men, it's also about be more vulnerable. Yeah, be more open, introspect. Mm -hmm. Is that the journey uh, of consciously going through a balance? It is. It is, and and there are many tools available. Um, you know, and. and uh, just uh, making sure that not only you are heard, but you are hearing others is the best way to start. I think that balance as they in, in sales, for example, you know, and men do it very well when mm. they are in sales positions. Mm. They say that 70% of the time if the client is speaking, then you've had a good sales meeting. Yeah. But they forget that in their normal life. They do that sales part, they use it as a tool. And then after that, they forget about it. Um, but all it takes is, so the tools are all available just to start listening to start with. You know, if you start listening, uh, you're giving everyone the space to express. And I think that balance between, as you said, men and, or masculinity and 
femininity hmm. is a lot about expression actually somehow we are taught in the society in corporate world especially to be confident yeah. even if we are not right just sound confident yeah. you know there are many leaders political leaders as well who sound very confident but they don't have any idea what they are doing and they're taking an entire society or a country behind them and they all follow just because this person is sounding confident but they follow the wrong path yeah uh, so same in companies you know always confidence without knowledge is not confidence without knowledge is never good so it's always okay to say i don't know so that you can first explore what is the truth together in yeah. consultation and collaboration and then as a leader represent the truth yeah. a true leader will always be followed a true leader will not be followed just for the confidence a true leader will be followed because they are representing a a great initiative yeah. and presenting a great vision for the future which others are probably not able to see completely but they are able to take a good grasp of the situation and then visualize how it can be projected in the future and that cannot happen unless you are in collaborative approach yeah. to take views yeah. uh and you don't dictate just an opinion inclusive as well exactly right? completely so if if i got this right first is communication the art of listening yeah second is introspection yeah third is being vulnerable fourth is being observant and inclusive in this process because body language itself speaks yeah you know you're in a meeting without hearing a word you will know if you are observing yeah. who is agreeing with your opinion and who hasn't expressed yet but just feeling yahan to koi there's no point expressing because nobody is going to listen body so if you just observe body language you can collaborate very quickly you can understand where others are coming from yeah. if someone is not mentally with you their body will not be with you it will show yeah. I, i i i can so associate with this i used to be a um product manager in in a diverse team like you know in a completely dispersed globally dispersed team so on the phone you can sort of see just by the voice and yes. the tone yes and the pause yeah. you can sort of gauge are they with you yeah. um are there apprehensions yeah. then it's about asking more open ended questions yes exactly i don't know hmm. but i thought you might be able to tell me and then it just opens up the avenues for absolutely uh, figuring out newer ways of doing it and some people don't like to because of conditioning they don't like to speak out their opinions in a public forum mm. so one can always approach them after the meeting mm. separately in a one to one session and you'll get a lot of very good views and frank views True. in that forum so you got to also realize that everyone's coming through a journey so just because you are you are open the other person will not get open of course there's better chance yeah but you have to still create an environment where they can express it how do you deal with conflict in this case because not everybody would be in this journey and yet you're trying to bring all together but there will be these sour apples or you know spoiled apples in between how do you deal with conflicts there see the word conflict itself has been it is is a negative word the start, first part of it is a con yeah so it, it's just uh, what is a conflict it's just a difference of opinion yeah uh, i'm seeing the lay of the land differently from what you are seeing um 
and it's always better to get both views. So, but if I dig in and I say my opinion, which is a derivation of what I am seeing, has to be the only opinion, and I'm not ready to see your uh, lay of the land or opinion, that's when we create an environment for conflict. Otherwise, difference of opinion is just a very, very healthy thing to happen. Yeah. And if we don't give it the word or the nomenclature of a conflict, and instead we go towards collaboration by finding what do we agree with first. Yeah. So there will always be something which we agree over. Yeah. Maybe it's the end objective, maybe it's the process, maybe it's the lay of the land, we see it samely, similarly, but we just disagree on the process. Yeah. So start with what you agree on and then work towards what you have difference of opinions on. Bring in, if there's too much holding on to that opinion, opinion. then bring in a collaborator, a co-collaborator whom we respect mutually mm. to, to bring all things together. And very soon it becomes a very high energy, positive environment. Yeah, it drives a lot of positive changes as well. I worked in a couple of companies where the cultures how you described, right? It's mutual respect. You're there in that role because you're, you've proved your worth. You don't have to constantly prove it with yeah. me. And I am in this role because I've proved my worth. And when you go past that level of, you know, winning over each other, validation to really collaborating, is when a lot of innovation, everything happens. And That's right. Right? Yeah. And that that's a, means it's easier said than done. It's a lot of uh, constantly not getting sucked into quick decision making. Yeah. You know the rush energy, yeah. the decision made, we've decided before checking with everyone. Because uh, as I'm sure you've experienced in your career, bringing about any change cannot happen without proper buy-in. Hmm. You can sign agreements, you can yeah. sign deals, but real implementation happens on the ground. Yeah. And that's when you need your people. Yeah. Um, so might as well get them along at the time of decision making rather than you make the decision and then you're trying to get the buy-in. It's too late sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. We have this uh, theory in product design where I'd rather spend a lot of time on the design yeah. than the errors that we have to incur, incur at a later stage because the cost of it is much more. Absolutely. So what you're saying is I'd rather spend time to get everybody on board understand where the differences are and then incorporate those and then go through this vision as against the other way of my way or highway and then figure out as we go. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Now the vulnerability side, I, I think that's a very interesting one. I remember in one of these uh, um, conclaves, um, it was for Women's Day and we were talking and I said, it's about time that leadership has vulnerability as a language and I feel that is something that's sort of missing in a lot of cases especially with men yeah um, I might be generalizing over here no, no, but I feel even as women as we grow in the career path at some point we sort of put on the masculine yes. side of ourselves yeah. right so yeah. vulnerability and I see that especially through my conversations like when you talk to a creator they're very proud of their vulnerable journey. They're yes. very proud of their, you know, failures and the learnings from that. And yeah. it's a storytelling then. Yeah. 
Whereas in, when you talk to a corporate person, it's very polished. Yeah. I was there at the right time, success yeah. happened. So there is no vulnerability unless you probe a little more and a little more. So it doesn't seem to be an easy task. Not at all, not at all. Then how does one go through it? One has to look at the source of where this conditioning is coming from. To solve anything, you've got to look at, go deeper and deeper and deeper and find the source. So in my, um, means I'm generally been a, quite a vulnerable person in my kind of private life. But in the corporate life, the change happened and I still remember the day of the change very clearly because I was, I did my MBA from INSEAD hmm. um, and I did fairly well in the class and everything. And I expected when I was going for the interview rounds and the first companies which come are the top companies, you know, the McKenzie's, the BCG's and the best I-Banks. And so, uh, although my intention was to start my own company, I wanted to initially do some consulting for a year or so. Hmm. So I had applied to these companies feeling quite confident that yeah. I will, I'll get through uh, in one of these. And the first five interviews, I was rejected in all five. Hmm. Um, and I was like a little taken aback because I had good grades, I had a good career before NCR as well. I was in Schlumberger and Siemens and everything, but I didn't get selected. Um, so I actually went for a walk uh, with Simi. We both went for a walk trying to figure out what's happening. So they would ask me typically a question that, how many job offers do you already have? Hmm. And I would just say, I don't have any right now. Um, and the very first interview, naturally I didn't have. But by the third company also I didn't have. Normally people who are doing well collect job mm. offers with by the time they've done their fourth company interview. Um, so I used to just tell the truth uh, as it is that I don't have and I would. Second thing I would also tell them which was wrong on, from a interview part is like I was like they would ask me what are your career plans and everything. I would tell them that look you know I want to work for a couple of years and then I want to start my own company. No, none of these, neither of these two well. would work mm -hmm. with them. And then me and Simi figured out that, you know, we talked to some Europeans and asked them, how do you do your interviews? And there's, see, as Indians, we are taught to be very humble, play our cards a little below what we are yeah. or a lot below. Yeah. And that continues. But the Western world is is very much about confidence, about projecting yourself and many right things about that. Yeah. And But it is like that and takes us a little while to adjust to it. Yeah. So now next interview I went, they asked me how many offers, I said I have already three. Hmm. Within two minutes they said here's the fourth one. So you know, I don't know uh, what is right or what is wrong, but I learned that being vulnerable wasn't working for me. So from then on, I shifted a bit about sounding confident, even when I was not sure yeah. in my career, everywhere else. Um, so that kind of became a pattern, a, a pattern mm -hmm. uh, for a while. Until now, I must say, and I'm being really open about this, is that I'm now comfortable in my skin. Yeah. So when you're comfortable in your skin, then you're you're fine to just say, hey, I don't know this yeah. uh, and I'm willing to learn this or this is how I am. These are my weaknesses and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, 
so i think i'm just sharing this journey because how it comes so i identified it came from there hmm. and now i've taken it and that's something about not being comfortable in your skin yeah um, skin meaning nothing to do with color or of anything course, and just not course. being comfortable yes, in, in person, yourself in right? person I, I I have a counter question. I'm with you so mm, far, right? Mm, I, I'm totally with you. But here's my thing, like, let's say I'm a 35-year-old working in one of these companies and I'm going through this transformation journey. Now, I'm going through a change. Yeah. I'm willing to be vulnerable. Yeah. But you're not willing to be, yeah. you're not there as an yes. organization, as a culture, you're mm, not there. Mm. How do I find a balance there? Yeah. Because if I show my vulnerability, yeah. you're going to judge me as it's about weekend. Mm -hmm. Right? If I don't show it, mm. then I'm conflicting with my own journey over here. And it's like a very conflicting space to be in. Yeah. How do you balance it? It's a good question. And I have to think a live answer um, to this. If I were you, I, my my advice would be just as much as you project your vulnerability when required, also project your strengths. Mm. So sometimes the people who are in this journey of vulnerability overplay it um, and start enjoying this this so much because it's new to them yeah. that they they forget about their strengths. They forget about what they have achieved, their accomplishments. And every person has accomplished a lot. Yeah. Uh, every person, yeah. actually every. It means irrespective of the CVs, if you really go deep, they've accomplished a lot. What their accomplishments are may not be relevant for that job, but accomplishments nevertheless. Uh, so find and join a company where at least your accomplishments have a good fitment and they can be used and your vulnerabilities get a place to get worked uh, on. And it's it's not necessary to pick every job that you interview for. I think interview is mutual. Um, you, many companies by brand or by outward facade look like the company you want to join. But ultimately you're joining people and culture. Only then you'll flourish. Because as they say, you, when people leave companies, 50% of the time they're leaving their managers. They're not leaving the companies. So when you know that, then it's better to find the culture in the company and find the best fit where not only your vulnerabilities will get a space to, you know, be worked on, but also your strengths can be utilized for yourself and for the company. Yeah. I had a mentor um, who once guided me. I, I had this, I think about 15, 17 years back, I had this thing of, you know, changing from my current job to another job, Sushant. And I had this constant question of how do I decide where to change. Mm. So one of the suggestions was, of course, alignment, like you said, yeah. in terms of your skills and your strength and fitments and all that. But more important, once you find a good fitment of all of this, the most important thing that I was given as an advice is uh, choose your manager. Yeah. To that point, I think we don't interview the manager. We don't. Right? Um, there's more a one-way interview process yes. of who are you, why this job and think what's your aspirations. We don't go back to ask who are you, what do yeah. you do on weekends, what's yeah. your life like? Like if you are a workaholic and I'm a 
mother of two kids coming over here i'm just doomed because yeah. you will just be working yeah. there is no balance yeah. and i'll have to figure out how to sort of maintain that balance exactly is that something it's the right way in your experience that you've figured in the last 5 to 6 years that you've been going through this transformation so great point you ma ma uh, made and i think uh, i always like people i, I do interview a lot um my only interview is myself which i give is when i am in the sales position uh, and talking to clients but otherwise i'm interviewing candidates a lot and i always appreciate and i'm more able to connect to a uh, more positively inclined towards a candidate who asks a lot of questions from me mm. um so i keep stopping in between as well as towards the end i definitely keep some time aside that the person will have some questions for me as a person for the company for the career for themselves their fitment in the career um and it's surprising how few ask questions yes uh, and it's it's i wouldn't call it disappointing because it's a process because we all just in that you know a lot of people just interview to get a get job offer job. yes how disappoint means it's just a waste of time for everyone let's just put it that way yeah. because they want to collect job offers um and then just negotiate on the basis of salary somewhere else or they just want to feel they don't want to move but they just want to feel that oh they were wanted in the market so how sad it is that they didn't feel wanted in their own companies that they have to go to the market just to feel wanted so reason why you applying for a job will drive how you interview for the job so if you are really applying for a wholesome career choice and a wholesome life you will interview also it will be a mutual interview and probably that would be an inclusive yeah. interview you know uh, which will go very well and our best people these days when we are recruiting senior folks we have said to ourselves to our team we made a rule that if the entire interview process felt like ease join grace like real fun including negotiation and offer finalization everything happened very smoothly then only let's take the candidate hmm. there have been cases where we've selected on the basis of cv or how well they interviewed for the job but the process didn't feel right you know there was something you can always feel oh this is like it's taking too much convincing or the candidate is convincing you too much yeah. or the negotiation is not really balanced yeah. then it's better to let go because you get the winner's curse yeah. for both sides yeah. both would think oh we worked really hard for it but if you had to work something very hard it wasn't the right thing it's also about knowing to your earlier point um knowing your strengths and then knowing what you're wanting in life very consciously yes so that means this work involved to your earlier point of where am i headed yeah where is the balance between the holistic you yeah because your you is not just the work part your you is home work and your mind and your body everything together absolutely so the alignment of that and where is that headed and then seeing okay what i bring to the table does it really make sense for you yeah and then comes the whole conversation now i've aligned that is this a good fitment to work with is he a great person to work with exactly right and i think we can as as people who are interviewing we can help that person think like that also you know because they may come to the interview just thinking i have to just crack this interview and get a job offer but if you are very open and you are asking them more 
Right. Holistic questions, they open up and, and that's when they may also realize that, wow, this is a perfect fit for me or this is not a great fit. Yeah. And that's the candidate you want. That's the conversation you want, really. Yeah. So I think the onus lies on both sides because this is not a new... One-sided thing. Yeah, and it is a new thing in a way. The standard True. Uh, practices, Very let's crack different. the interview. Yeah. Let's just answer what they need to hear. <laughs> I think I, I want to go deeper, but I, I'll deviate and come back sure. to this. Um, when you go through these interview processes, you're actually talking about two things. One is the work you do on yourself to be aware of who you are. The other is as an organization, whoever is coming on board needs to come into this philosophy. Yeah. Come on board yeah. with this philosophy. I'll start at home, mm. right? Because because at a work front, you have different age groups coming. That's like right. You have youngsters who are just out of college. Yeah. You have more senior people. You have super senior people. Yeah. And these days, you have also the bracket of, you know, the 35 to 50 year olds. That's right. Culturally, we different. grew up differently. Yeah. Our mindset is very different. That's right. Vulnerability is not a conversation in many bands yeah. over here. Whereas on the early stages, like the 18 to 25, it's like it's right, right there. there. Yeah. So I want to zoom into a home because a home is where you've got a good mix of this. How do you balance this? How do you balance this with your parents to your siblings to your spouse to your children? Because yeah, that could be a great playground yeah. to actually experiment. Yeah. So, no, I think you brought up a very important point about this different age groups. At least my observation is that all three are, are quite different in their approaches towards life uh, or what they went through. Um, so my age group, which is 50 plus, uh, was conditioned uh, at very young age for, for an achievement perspective. Um, you know, net worth, um, men were conditioned to have as many relationships with women and then only they were famous. Yeah. Really? Yeah, means that's what the talk in college is like, you know, yeah, how many girlfriends yeah. does he have? Yeah. That kind of thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, um, so, a lot of achievement focus and possession focus. Yeah. Um, then, I think, if you contrast it with the people who are uh, between 18 to 25 or 20, even 30, uh, this is what I would say is the Satyog generation, which is like they are grounded in inclusion. They don't even think gender. So you don't even have to tell them about gender equality or anything. They don't know anything different. And men, women, both. Mm. Um, I'm saying that very consciously. Mm. Um, and the whole nature, inclusion, everything is very natural to them. Um, and they are not so much about net worth and achievement. Of course, they also love a good life and all of that, but they they want to do it holistically. Mm. And then there is this middle generation caught between the middle, which kind of grew up like us, yeah. but very soon realized that, oh, this is not really what we want or yeah. what we are about. And they are becoming more and more Conscious like the the generation behind them. Mm -hmm. So they are becoming more conscious. So they are starting this journey. Mm -hmm. While our generation is, is a little bit of in denial or shock that whole life we lived this model and now somebody is telling us 
that um, you know this is not right what do you mean it's not right this is the only way it works uh, i'm telling you this is the way it works look at me how hard i worked in my life and this is where i reached and you should work equally hard yeah so hard thing is always inside their yes. in, inside their nomen, you know words or vocabulary yeah. uh, whereas the youngest generation doesn't want to make anything hard um, so yeah uh, i see uh, bringing it into the family context with my children they are def definitely anchored in in all the aspects of inclusion um total holistic approach towards life um and yet they if at all there is something where i may need to intervene a little bit or intervene or guide is just to give them direction mm. it's more about can they find the direction mm. so i'm finding that the contrast between them and us is while we took direction just basis of whatever was the majority opinion yeah. so if everyone said engineer we became engineer yeah. we didn't ever ask ourselves am i an, uh, I, do i really like to work with my hands <laughs> the probably in many cases the answer was no but no engineering was the thing to do so we went with consensus uh, or majority opinion or whatever our parents told so we went into a direction without thought their challenge is they are thinking a lot but they're not finding the direction <laughs> because they want everything to be complete before they take a direction and what they probably can benefit from is that life is a journey it's never and you learn from every experience and that you can change directions later on as well as we realized yeah. ourselves yeah. they're thinking oh if we commit so they have a commitment issue we didn't have any commitment issues yeah <laughs> because we were committed to wealth yeah, yeah. <laughs> so nothing else mattered yeah. we had no commitment issues um, they have some commitment issues so that's where my role is there and that has recently changed earlier it was all about i wanted them to be like us and that's where it was just not working um because that's con a lot of conflict yeah. so um, the same word conflict was there <laughs> yeah. but, um, but now it's more collaboration yeah. but uh, it's 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 that difference which i notice a lot and then there are the you know i have some nephews and nieces who are more like you know in indian families large joint families there are a lot of nephews around who are 30 plus or Uh, in that age bracket and you see them like juggling really the juggling the two yeah uh, two worlds but rather beautifully i would say yeah. i i i i want to draw an analogy from here to sustenance right the true sustenance of inclusion because this is what inclusion is because at home itself we're seeing this and rightfully as a country when we were growing up probably not too far behind from your thing but i think there's a generation gap there <laughs> <laughs> but when we were growing up we were chasing wealth yes for right for reasons because as a country we opened up you know our parents just about managed to set up ground for us Absolutely. and we had to then from there figure out okay we need to build the house education everything yeah kids are much more comfortable at this point to say yeah. i don't have to create wealth yeah. i need to it's all about me yes so it's rightfully we're going through that gradual transition but it's also a great space to look at how inclusion happens and then to look at sustenance of that isn't mm -hmm. it and if we then look at it in a bigger picture like mm. if you take that model to a company mm. 
what it allows for is one to be open to the thought process that you might come from a rigid space mm. i might come from a space where i'm pretty confused and transformative mm. in nature mm -hmm. and he might come from you know a clueless discovery phase mm. early discovery mm. phase but it's so hard when you go from one nuclear family to an organization and say okay now let's do inclusion in that case mm. because sustenance is not easy because mm. it's not just you me and another mm. individual mm. Mm -hmm. which is family it's different people coming yeah. together yeah that role of a leader is a little difficult one isn't it yeah it's it's if I, if i was to really look at inclusion <coughs> um you know if you look at a company it often forgets that it exists in a society and it taps all its talent and its energy from that very society mm. it starts actually feeling as if it's an individual just thriving in itself and by itself that's not true every person that we hire is actually educated in various families across the world uh, provided the shelter of homes of a good grooming good bringing up good values in a country whichever has been the choice of the country or the family um, so if you start actually and my daughter said this is that you know to an earlier question also she had asked me around 5 years back the mm. same question which you had asked that papa if i take sg analytics out of your life mm. what will you be mm. and 5 years back i actually answered back that i don't know mm. but today i know because i've included a lot more into my life yeah. than just sga similarly a company has to understand that it is existing or even surviving because of inclusion only yeah. there is connection yeah. there's a lot of connection yeah. and once you start seeing all these connections the way to run a company and way to run the organization changes completely yeah. even the client relationship with your clients can remarkably change if you start including your clients not just as people who pay you money for your work but in the build up process in the build up process in 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 becoming a stakeholder as part of the growth of your own firm they have a lot to contribute mm -hmm. the employees have a lot to contribute their families their spouses their children and uh, you can just create larger and larger communities mm -hmm. uh, so yes um, i would like to say whether it's difficult or easy but it's a different process mm -hmm. and anything looks difficult because it's different mm. because we are not used to it mm. um perhaps it will be much more easier way to run a company yeah uh, rather than difficult if we just started adopting that path mm. and i do talk about that path a lot but there's a there's a lot of inertia mm. because there are so many set patterns which we are all stuck into companies are stuck into hr processes everything recruitment patterns mm. you know and so on so forth that it doesn't happen but if you see some time back if you saw companies such as tata steel jamshedpur city yeah it set up an entire city based on an inclusion methodology right bokra steel plant again um coal mining industry my 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 dad was in the coal mining industry uh, mining industry uh, and 
we used to live always in communities hmm. you know colonies it was such a beautiful childhood i had uh, thanks to lovely parents that i have and this colony life yeah. you just went to each other's houses you studied together you clarified doubts together you ate in each other's houses that came because somehow the mining industry saw its people as a community not just they didn't see just my father as an employee they saw his family as a stakeholder yeah. so if we and my wife has been actually it's an interesting point you said because simi has been saying that since the start of sga that we should have a community approach we should have our own colony or our you know where everyone from sga family lives together uh, and they hang out with each other yeah. and how easy recruitment would become how easy retention would become yeah. and, and you don't normally quit yeah. when you've got deeper meaningful friendship and relationships exactly. in your office right my dad didn't quit any job <laughs> yeah. most and they had a wonderful life yeah. it was not as if they didn't achieve much yeah. i'm not saying one doesn't have to quit at all or yeah. change jobs but yeah. the if you look at the frequency at which people are changing jobs I, i these days is it really giving them meaning they have to ask that question themselves one question i wanted to probe a little more there sushant is um as a seller when i was doing sales it's all about customer experience it's all about revenue it's about the growth but a company cannot grow with just a customer being happy if yeah. your employee experience and your employee journey is not taken care of so what you're saying thereby is as a leader it's more a top down approach than absolutely. a bottom up approach absolutely but it's also important to sort of give the same balance between revenue uh, the customer experience to employee experience 100% 100% and i think we've learned that over a period of time uh we didn't start like that we as an sg as as an sg it was uh, always about customer experience mm. so we had a customer first policy mm. that's the standard policy for any services company True. uh but it's not the right policy the policy should be customer first employee first society first all stakeholders are equal and only then the customer really flourishes only then the company really is able to provide the best service and there have been cases in our company where we have not done that and we are now changing that um, and it takes a lot to change that i'm telling you yeah. because you know you may have to sacrifice revenue yeah. in the short term for that yeah. you may have to learn to say no and i think it's always good to say no because then when you say yes you can really do it with joy yeah. and you cannot just work for revenue um, so apps and even the clients they actually want that that's the surprising thing Uh, if you dig deep every client wants that the client will only exploit you as far as you want them to exploit you that's it wow so you stand up for yourself the client will enjoy that and they will also flourish because ultimately good things rub off and they will also grow as because every client is finally a human being yeah so they'll also grow as human beings you may have a few disagreements but if you were meant to do things together you'll grow together I had this one interview with the the math company's founder. So Sian is a good friend of mine, and we chose a topic of behavioral economics on the supply and demand side of organizations. And this was an important aspect that came out, which is 
a lot of investment and effort goes into understanding your customer journey, customer behavior. But if it is at the expense of your employee experience where the supply comes, then there is an imbalance. Yes. And it's when you as a leader have sort of gone into the depth of both, understood both, and gradually transition to that stage where it's not like I'll just pull this yeah. more and this no. next. No. It has to be together. Yeah. So you said when you started, it wasn't that way no. and you gradually went through that. And we're still going through that. What are some big ticket things that you had to really pull together and say, oh, we need to change this? It's working on your brand. Most companies don't really work on their brand. Talk a little more about this. So two years back, and it was just two years back, again with my coach, Minu, under her guidance, our entire senior team sat together and said, we have to define our brand architecture. Mm. And um, prior to that, we had only defined the values. And honestly, they were only meant to be there from a behavioral perspective. But where they really kind of all captured together with a sense of what we want to be as a company total, no. Um, so we sat down and we said, what is our brand promise? You know, as a brand, you should have a brand promise. So after a lot of brainstorming, we came up with Life's Possible. In an optimistic uh, flavor. Yeah. Which means that anytime any SGA person interacts with anybody else, whether a colleague or a client or a vendor as well, or just anybody else, the other person should be left feeling this emotion that life's possible. So, so that is number one thing which we said. The second thing we said is that what is our, you know, um, main theme? So main theme is to enable efficient, scalable realities. Efficient, scalable, scalable realities. So we are an enabling company. As a service company or as a product company, you're an enabling company. So, but we introduced two other words. Efficient and scalable. Big difference between scale and scalable. So scalability only comes when there is not only efficiency, but there's dignity for both sides, mm. for all sides involved. Otherwise, it's not scalable. It will break somewhere. So what you're talking about respect for the employee is within that part of scalable. Realities meaning possibilities for the clients. for the, And this should be felt for the employees as well. Yeah. So they should feel the same that by joining SGA, that's what they get. Yeah. So the one thing that you asked, what was that one thing which changed this is now us going back again and again back to these two statements whenever we are confused for direction of how we should behave um, is helping us a lot. But other times when we don't operate under pressure at all, of course, we operate under pressure. You know, there are times. But someone amongst the senior team needs to sit back and be the devil's advocate uh, or be the contrarian, not the devil's advocate. That's yeah. again a word I don't believe in, but it comes so easily to your vocabulary. Uh, that, you know, just make us hold back and say, are we really standing up for ourselves? Are we standing up for our employees? Are we even standing up for a client? 
you know all that when it is in harmony that's when the perfect scale happens where does inclusion come in this we've talked about so far is about culture of building this culture of a balance between the demand and supply we've talked about being vulnerable we started off with a feminism a feministic and the masculinity in a mm. balance between them in this process as you're going through this what's the role of inclusion because so far this is more like a culture setting of a company it's okay if you don't have women it's okay if you don't have the other genders but i'm probably generalizing here but i want you to talk about how inclusion really changes the game over here for you do you mean inclusion from a gender perspective or you mean inclusion as a generic word inclusion for me is not just about gender right inclusion could be very diverse backgrounds mm. coming mm. together mm. like for example when i was working very early on um i came from bangalore i studied in bangalore i traveled I worked in the us and all and i came back for the first time i experienced my peer groups were from tier 2 cities tier 3 cities they didn't study english till like you know post 12th grade they ramped up on english because they that was the need of the art so they have their own you know yeah. insecurities they've yeah. come a long way to your point yeah. everybody yeah. is yeah. an achiever because they've yeah. come a long way yeah. but it's on the other person's i it is like oh okay tier to city person right it's diverse but mm. how inclusive are you about this diverse nature of you know people coming in and this could be your customers this yeah. could be your vendor yeah. this could be your employees yeah. how does inclusion impact in this whole process so here i must say we scored we scored very well right from the start okay um we had a very inclusive process and we continue to have that if you look at the indian cricket team it has flourished since it has become more inclusive and not just taking people from bombay and delhi dhoni didn't come from bombay or delhi and he didn't play um cricket the conventional way um and look at how much that brought to the game yeah. um so same with us i think in this we don't have any standard set patterns that we have to recruit from certain colleges or certain cities um or even certain countries yes we have a delivery based based in india but i would i would very much welcome now with this work from home flourishing our employees to be from all over the world mm-hmm. uh, from different backgrounds in fact there's an initiative which we are talking about right now we haven't started yet why do we even need necessarily a college education hmm. you know many of the college education is just a conditioning job you know just a certification that this person has done Validation. something for four years yeah. or three years yeah. um but otherwise the the skills that you need the talent that you need you can spot that after 12th grade as well uh, and pick up uh, pick up is not the right word but include and uh, bring people from villages from small towns and now small towns are anyway into the loop with this work from home now earlier uh, before the covid you know most probably 90% of our employees were either in hyderabad or pune now i would say not more than 60% um because all the new growth which has happened has happened from cities outside of pune from small towns we just shipped them a laptop and 
they're part of the system. We don't check uh, whether they are from this college or that college. As long as they are, they're part of the, you know, they are ready to be a productive part of the company. So there, I think we've done well, but do we need to do more? Absolutely. And very consciously, because again, what happens is set patterns start getting followed. Mm. And somebody needs to constantly keep breaking the patterns. So suppose you got like 20 people from one city. Now the format becomes, let's just recruit from this city, okay. you know, and it becomes an easy way of doing things, um, but not necessarily the right way. So um, agree to what you're saying uh, in this aspect, perhaps done a little better, but lot to do. So what you're also saying, Sushant, then is once you've got the brand value, and you've got a strategy around it and you go through this, as you onboard new folks into the system, one part of it is, are you following that brand value or do we have to make course corrections? If so, yeah. aligned with that bigger yes. vision, how do we go about it? Yeah. The second part, what you're saying is, in order to be more inclusive and sustainable in this process, it's also important that you make course corrections in the way we are hiring, in the way we are interacting, in the way we are communicating, in the way we are collaborating across. So that means every individual, is there a training process that you go through in order to build? It's it's a tough one because, it's a tough one. see, it's I tough can one. come from Bangalore with a mindset of, Oi. Yeah. whereas you might yeah. come with, yeah. who is she to ask me, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. The attitude can be so different from yeah. different backgrounds. So it becomes almost like a regular exercise of maintaining that balance, yeah. which means that various departments, whether it is the HR, whether it is the L&D, mm. the leadership mm. team, mm. or cross collaboration across disciplines, all of them have to walk the talk, which essentially is like running a country as well, right? Like all It's a small country. To, running a right? company is a small country. And that's when, when you're running a company, your respect for those who are running a country it's goes. More. It's like, yes. you think, wow, yes. you know, here I'm like figuring out things within thousand odd people. Yes. And this uh, and, and lady or this gentleman has to figure out a whole country. Yeah. And so. we in India, are, I think like diversity hub, if you yeah. actually look yeah. at it, we um whole of europe can fit into uh, yeah. uh, part of india right Absolutely. so it's so diverse so i'm curious to understand because when when i was doing sales here's my reason for asking yeah. this when you sell it's not the solution or the technology that is a bummer yeah it's a complexity of adopting to that solution yeah. to the culture that is there yeah that is the most difficult. Absolutely. So culture, as much as we talk about mm. it in a very mm. frivolous way, has a business impact. As yes, well. it has. Has a revenue impact, has a sustainability impact. It has a larger impact. And you see that at home, you see that in a company, you see that in a country as well. So I'm curious to understand how do you sort of, yeah. as a leader, yeah. I want to walk into your head to see what's that lay of the common land. Common yeah. equalizer. I think meritocracy is the common equalizer. Okay. Um, so that has to be like really there from mm. ground up. Mm. Um, if that is there, then then anybody, everyone is equal. Firstly, you're starting with that premise. Um, 
and that's not even under question. You, if you have to even say that, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. I would say in SGA, we don't have to ever say that. Mm -hmm. um, and so meritocracy and then general behavior of the leaders. You know, everyone's watching the leaders. Uh, so are you, you know, hanging out with everyone, having a sense of humor on the floor? Um, humor is a great equalizer as well. Um, so it just takes away all the inhibitions and everything else that comes with it. Um, and to some extent, if I may say, not being politically correct always. And I know I'm probably making a controversial, but if you're always too stuck up about every word that you say, you will never be free and you'll never allow others to be free or to make mistakes. So you can say a word and if you realize this was the wrong word, you just say, hey, I didn't mean it this way and move on. But if you're too uptight about every word, communication is not very clear. So I believe in more sense of humor, more, more jovial, fun on the floor, rather than making it too... You know what I mean, it's yeah. like uptight about things. But there has to be zero tolerance of, about certain things. And we have introduced complete zero tolerance about certain things. Now, when you meant meritocracy and equal, one of the main, um, you know, women are the ones, in my view, who face the maximum, um, you know, force against their growth. Um, because they are branded in a certain way. When they speak up, they are spoken of as arrogant or angry. Hmm. Oh, she's an angry woman. But when a man speaks up, he's being confident. Hmm. Uh, so the area where I want to focus, I don't think we have, you know, in general, any, any major such issue. But the area where I feel we need to like handhold a bit. Uh, you know, to bring it out to a certain level where then the thriving starts is the is getting the women to grow in the organization more mm. and faster mm. and not be branded as non-career oriented if they are having a baby, for example, or if they are getting married. Uh, so, for example, when you're recruiting a woman, there's always a question floating in the room uh, if it's a single woman, then when is she going to get married? And if she's going to get married, then she will probably leave the job and she'll go to the city where her husband is. Now, I have found through, and I had the same opinion um, several years back, but I actually, I've looked at data in our company and the data reveals that the women have the highest retention, far more than men, almost double, because they are not looking for um, you know, just the next highest salary or the next highest excitement. They're looking for where they belong, where they are heard, where they feel like they can be themselves. And I'm happy to say that in our company, women do feel that and that's showing in the retention rate. And, you know, they've gone through, we've recruited many women who started as single, now are mothers. Uh, and we've, we've been with them throughout this journey and they have been with us and they feel SGA as their own company. Mm. But there's a lot of resistance still. Um, and main resistance is within themselves only, mm. where they don't want to <laughs> express themselves. And they only think that, oh, this much is enough for me. Mm. I'm okay having reached a senior manager position. That's good enough. Yeah. They don't want to reach, uh, you know, go beyond that. So it's also encouraging them and bringing more women in the, in, in, in the overall 
work stream in our company and perhaps hiring a few laterally at very senior levels. I think one thing I've observed there and we were talking about it outside is as you, so the biological nature of women and in, in the body changes, right? The hormonal yeah. changes yeah. are really massive and yeah. go to 35 yeah. to 45. Um, and I feel that understanding of what one goes through there um, as a woman is sort of missing. Yeah. Both for women yes. and for the men. And yeah. I think it's important for both to understand that. Because to your point, it's not that aspiration frizzles out or yeah. fizzles out. Yeah. It's more you're going through so much. Yeah. You think that there's chaos yeah. already and yeah. it's like, okay, that's something I don't want to take right now. Yeah. But having a mechanism or a system in place which allows for that room for this Brilliant point. Yeah, you know, understanding both from the men's side. Yeah, also yeah. and and the women's side. Yeah, will allow for you to start building that leadership because otherwise, it's like bullying in school, right? Yeah, um, totally. Right, there's the loudest voice, there's Wins. passive aggressive yeah. behavior, and all of that. Especially when you're going through the thirty-five or post your delivery. Yeah. A woman's journey is very different from a man's. Yeah. And I think to your point, if we go by that whole philosophy of family, community, company, organization and country, this change that is required and this masculinity and femininity on both sides at all these stages. For the woman, it probably is being more expressive about what you're going through. Yeah. And sort of discovering okay and accepting it and saying okay this is part of the journey yeah and so i need to be communicating that to create that space for me to be comfortable in but it's also important for a man in the company to understand what she's going through yeah. and probably in this way also culturally change the role of a father at home as well isn't it totally totally what a lovely point yeah right because yeah. i think that's when you bring a true yeah. masculine feminine yeah. balance yeah. on both sides and you're really truly walking the talk probably it's a lot of responsibility on an organization as a leader to take but i think in the long run there's a bigger impact out of it absolutely uh, for both of them yeah actually it's not a lot of responsibility it's the right way to do things because otherwise it just becomes a hard way yeah and you are excluding 50 percent of yes. people from yes. understanding them. How can you flourish if you don't understand 50% yes. of the folks in the society? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just not possible. Yes. So if you move from surviving to thriving mindset, you've got to have this inclusion and this inclusive mindset where you understand women, their journeys, yes. give them the space for them to express and educate you. Yeah. But honestly, last point you mentioned about the fathers themselves to know that because everyone in the company is either a father or a mother or a you know uh, or a child or, or a young yeah. adult yeah. and um, you know people keep saying and I keep going back to the same thing is that we don't need to bring up our daughters as sons yes. we actually need to bring up our sons and to understand for them to understand women and girls better oh, I love uh, and if we do that there then there's no sharp change which needs to happen you know, because 
they have understood right from they have understood their sister and the mother already well yeah. so they'll understand women very naturally but those who haven't and i am one of those for me it was a big change yeah. to bring that understanding even yeah. it all came as foreign understanding yeah. uh, because we were three brothers and my mother was um, she's she's a great mother but she didn't get a True. chance to educate us on what women yeah. go through or, or feel like even yeah. Um, Which is the know, reality of most of India. Isn't most it? of like, India, and even many parts of the world, world. is like a very male-dominated. Yes. Uh, all the media titles, everything. If you see cross-section, uh, it's, it's still ninety percent male-dominated themes. Yeah. Um, yes, there are occasional intrusions, which is great, and this intrusion should go become a flood more uh, and get much more balanced. Then I think people will be educated. It will be very natural for people to understand. And I agree with you completely that in the long term, absolutely, uh, losing your workforce just because they are going through a different period, not a difficult period necessarily, yeah. a different period, where they can be, either they can take some time off or they can be used in a different way, yeah. uh, where traveling is not required and more um, support systems are available yeah. for productivity to yeah. be there, uh, can give very good long term returns. Yeah. So even in a means ultimately profits will be thriving, which is also a important purpose of a company. If people in the company are thriving, yeah, yeah, and I think as a leader, it's a great space to see how you are really impacting that at a ground level, right? Yeah, and that is uh, certain measurements you ought to also introduce in the company. Um, so while we introduce, you know, everything else is there, revenue per employee, KPIs such as EBITDA, profit per customer, revenue per customer, and all of those are there. These are very important things uh, to also introduce uh, as measurements that you do engage with your people to understand how they're feeling about these softer aspects. And I'm lucky that now having appointed a full leadership team, including a new CEO. Uh, I am in the chairman role now. And as a chairman, I would say that is one of my should be and is my main role is to see what is the direction that we are heading towards mm. as a culture. Mm. And that pulse of the culture I should always have so that I can, together with my team, make sure that we are on the same page on this mm. in bringing about this change. I, I, I do see a larger rippling effect, if I can call it that, Sushant, because when you do this in your organization, your customers are seeing it, your yes. vendors are seeing it, yes. your teams are seeing it, and thereby the rippling effect is in those organizations, in these homes. Absolutely. And so there's a bigger impact when done the right way. But it is not an easy task. It is. It's not, because there are a lot of set patterns and set decision formats which happen um, and you don't even get to see all of them. Mm. Um, so, but you got to keep an eye on the ground and see the overall uh, pulse of the organization. Is it moving in that direction? It will take several years to get there, but it will happen. Uh, that I'm sure of. Would you then at some point look at as an organization, am I balanced with the masculinity and femininity side equally? Or how would you look at 
it from outside to see is this really working no absolutely i think the the um the measurement criteria that we have put is that everything in the company and by the company should be happening with ease join grace hmm. so with, when you put that criteria then it can only happen when there is both gender inclusion gender equality gender expression uh, in there there is not only with gender but with nature as well uh, where you know for very simply put people should just should not feel that it's too hard to work here mm. it's it's monday mornings are not tough to come. are not the blues you yeah. know uh, and it's a pleasant atmosphere and we create the perfect harmony pe between people who are coming to the office every day between those who decide to work two to three days from the office and uh, rest from home and those who are not in the main locations and they decide to totally work from home there should be like everyone should feel comfortable with that and their choices have you taken tough decisions in this process because all this while we've been talking yes. about being nice being yeah. vulnerable being yeah. open yeah. listening communicating yeah. all great things but there's also misuse yes it is and so have you taken the tougher decisions of hey i'm calling this out is not a culture fit and thereby yes so there's a culture fit and there's a business fit as well mm. so i have taken for example the the decision it's not a tough decision to encourage people to come start coming to the office at least 2 to 3 days a week mm. uh, because we do need to meet each other because there's so many new employees whom we've not met um so i taken that although it you know in the press it's not a very popular thing to say um, but it has to be encouraged for us to meet mm. in some format because only video format doesn't develop that human connection and working with each other and in a company is also about human connection it's not just about your salary and and productivity and i would not like to think that every person can be only equated to the kpis and the salary we should know each other so from that the re what we've done is explain the reason so and for people who have a long commute told them that you have an option of obviously only coming two to three days a week but mm. choose those two three days mm. and the rest you can work from home mm. or whenever you need to work from home there's always work from home so that's one area where i have take means me, along with the leadership team we are encouraging people we're not putting a do this or mm. kind of approach but encouraging them the second tough decision it's again not tough but it was came very easily we have an absolute zero tolerance policy about um uh, men speaking in a certain way about women mm. so there's a zero tolerance there and there's just no excuse available to anybody and guess what i once this cultural change happened inside a few of us we didn't even need to communicate it too much because the leaders are walking their talk yeah so it became the norm means it's it's not as if we had to scold anybody mm. i just don't see it happening at all in our company now and um, and i'm sure that if somebody does make that what i think is a big mistake um then someone will be there to correct it immediately and in a polite manner without making that person too embarrassed about it uh, but in a polite but very firm manner so that the other person gets it mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. 
rather than, oh, what are we talking about? This is the way we talk and all of that, you know? So there I'm very, very happy that we have absolutely zero tolerance because you also as an organization need to have zero tolerance on certain things. So these are some of the things, but of course it's a journey and we continuously make some mistakes, um, get tempted for fast decisions, rush decisions. But if you introspect at the end of each day, end of every week, you are certain to have a better decision making the next day or the next week. True, true. Well, Sashant, it was a beautiful conversation. I think just getting into the mind of a leader and then understanding how do you look at sustenance and inclusion, sustainability and inclusion holistically as an individual and then scaling it to an organization and also a family. I think it's important that each one of us introspect first on it and then take the plunge of going through that journey to your point when you started. It's a seven-year journey that you've gone through and it's not an easy journey. It's a very conscious journey that one goes through. Um, And I hope more and more people go through it. Uh, But thank you so much for making time. I do have some, uh, you know, customary questions we ask. Sure. The first one is, what does Attitude Makeover mean to you? I think it's a platform, very interesting platform for people to speak about many things which affect all of us uh, and speak about in a very open conversational manner. Uh, so I think it's a very, it's the relatability that it means to me. Yeah, that means a lot for me because I think for me one of the things when I started was to speak my mind yeah Um, because when you're in an organization you're constrained by a bunch of things but when you're the organization yeah how do you speak your mind it's hard because to your point there's validation and a whole bunch of you're running a business as well but then where do you stand your ground and put your foot down? That's true. I think it's very important. The second, from this conversation, I've had many takeaways, whether it was the power of listening, the balance of femininity and masculinity. How do you sustain this both in the house and in the rippling effect across organizations? What are some takeaways you're going away with? A lot of them. Actually, you know, when you speak in such a flowing conversation, um, and uh, where diverse set of questions are being or topics are being discussed, but they are all related in some way. Uh, as you speak, you also get clear. So many things got clear to me as you were speaking. Also, I, I was listening, and then when I was speaking, they also got further clear. And uh, what, so, firstly, I one takeaway is that you know there's a lot to do here. Uh, and it's a con- continuous listening and adopting journey. And the second one, big one, was when you s- talked about what a woman goes through during their 30, 35 or motherhood, post-motherhood period, yeah. and how understanding them and giving them a space to express themselves then can really make a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that is, for me, a big takeaway which I'm going to take to action uh, or implementation with an I'll give you one more. (laughs) Uh, I think another thing I noticed is we are very comfortable because we're caregivers and we take care of a whole lot of stuff at home and all. We're very comfortable with operational stuff. 
we're not weak in math. No, not at but all. But yeah. we sort of shy away from finance yeah. and finance yeah. awareness or finance yeah. work. Yes. And I think if that is something as as you come into an organization, you sort of break that ice, yeah. You know, and I love for one to take the plunge and be flexible around it and play around with it. It goes a long way in your career journey because if you actually look at the 35 plus when you're becoming leaders, we don't take so much of the money related roles. Yes. We take more of the operational yes. sort of roles. Yeah, people related roles. Right? Yeah. And we're good there. Yeah, we're But we're not bad here either. Yeah. At home, a lot of households are managed by women. Yeah. Entire it's budgets that, are managed by women. Yeah, yeah, it's just that to your point, our language to ourselves is, oh, I'm not good at this. Yeah. Right? So it starts with us. Yes. But opening that avenue for that awareness, maybe it is just of how the business model works. Where's the cost? Where's the revenue yeah. associated with it? Yeah. Can you calibrate that? Yeah. I'll help you initially, but yeah. it becomes part of you as you go through it. Then as you build your second and your third layers of leadership, it becomes more clear for the woman as well. It's not like a hard task. So, great point you mentioned and I've experienced that with my own uh, wife and daughters that they've always been shy of numbers in front of me mm -hmm. because they think, ah, you you know, I'm going to I'm like, judge yeah, them yeah. Uh, and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, but recently, as I've become a better listener and, and Simi finds more space to speak about even business matters and in increasingly so very openly about business matters, I feel that the insights I get from her are things I could have never thought of. But they don't come in very specific language, yeah. the kind of language I'm wanting, I speak. She just speaks a different language, but comes to a brilliant point. She perhaps goes around like this, like this first, but then when she makes the point, it's like it is often been an aha moment yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, earlier, I would just break her off while she was going like this, or come to the point, and she would just give up and say, "I don't want to say anything." Yeah. But now, since she has the space, uh, she does come to the point, yeah. and it is often much more valuable than what I could have done myself. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. If you just give that space uh, and even, you know, like you were saying, revenue minus cost is profit. But there are many other formulas yes. of profit also. Yes. Uh, you can derive through yes. other ways to get to the same profit. Absolutely. Uh, but we think, no, it has to come in this format yes. only. It can come in many other formats. So I, I take that point as a big takeaway. Thanks for reminding me. That this is something. something I learned in, in my, um, I think, second job. Mm, I took up pre-sales and sales is all about yeah. numbers. And I was yeah. like, eh, <laughs> numbers nahi hoga. But then I realized it's not so bad. It's um, not bad. I ran a, a wholesale cigarette showroom wow. while I was working in this company. And when I was running that, this is a Guju family who really took me on board and it's this, it's the size of a metro, Oof. this wow. wholesale cigarette showroom. 
and so you have trucks and inventory management, yeah. cash flow, yeah. the whole gamut, right? Yeah. Including customer experience. That's the first time I really experienced it in its totality mm. to understand, oh, it's not so hard. Yeah. It's just here. It is. Um, but once you go past that, it's easier to maneuver through it. It's still a learning process and companies have to sort of incorporate different ways of making it interesting. But I think we as women shy away from it completely. Well, look at analytics careers. There's so many women in analytics careers um, and they're flourishing. Correct. So, you know, this notion that yeah. women are not good in maths or anything is, is yeah. it's totally wrong. Yeah. It's totally wrong. Yeah. Means if you, you were talking about an analytics career group where yeah. mostly women are there. Yeah. And I know so many women who are leaders in analytics yeah. uh, is, and they come, they're doing extremely well. Uh, so, in fact, I was in an interview, group interview process where somebody questioned this and the woman we were interviewing, she really pushed back and said, who said women can't be in analytics? Uh, and when you look at the numbers, yeah. it's true. They are very much there. Yeah. Well, Sushant, thank you so much. I hope you had a good conversation as much as I enjoyed this. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks.